Welcome to our candlelit Christmas Eve watch night service. We're going to see Christmas Day in together. And I hope you've all got a candle. Those will come in handy later. We're going to share the Christ light when it gets to midnight, Christmas Day. We're going to light the Christ candle and then we're going to share that light with each other and go out into the world with that light burning in our hearts. If you could leave the candles in the box that was sitting in the chair over there. I don't know where it's gone now, but, oh, they they put it further out. There's a box that you can put your, your candles in. That would be very helpful. We're not going to take a collection tonight, but uh, if you could please leave any offerings that you have in the plate at the door as you leave. Been made aware this last week of uh, folks in the world who have, uh, have it worse off than we do, especially in the Philippines, suffering from this typhoon. So if you have it in your heart to give to help folks there, please do go on the UNICEF website. I would recommend that and, and give a donation there to help others out at this time of year when we are having such a great time together as family. Others are not so fortunate as us. We will leave by this door instead of that door because of the COVID regulations. Tonight, we're not having any live music. It's all pre-recorded, from, uh, mostly from people in our congregation. And we begin with a carol that we usually begin a service like this, the carol, Once in Royal David City. Let's stay. Good and gracious Father God, on this holy night you gave us your Son, the Lord of the universe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Savior of all, lying in a manger. Tonight, draw us into the mystery of your love. Join our voices with the heavenly host on high, that we here on earth may sing of your glory. Give us a place among the shepherds, that we may find the one of whom we have waited Jesus Christ, your word, made flesh, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, in the splendor of eternal light, God forever and ever. Amen. We sing another carol, the carol in the bleak midwinter. The reading is taken from John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 and then 9 to 14. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This God's word. Lord God, at this time of year, we hear some familiar stories. Sometimes they're just a bit too familiar. Help us to delve deep into the meaning of what took place so long ago that we celebrate every year. Make it meaningful for us this year. Lord, by your spirit, open our hearts to your word and your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are at all familiar with the New Testament, you'll know that it starts with four gospels. All four accounts of the life of Jesus and Although all four stories are about the life of one and the same person, written albeit by different people who knew him intimately, they all come at their story from a different angle, from different perspectives. When it comes to the story of Christmas, we are most familiar with the ones that we find in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. In their stories, we have the familiar manger scene. There are angels and there are shepherds. There's a star and there are wise men. And although John, in his gospel account, is, is just as concerned about the origin story of Jesus, John doesn't write about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus at all. There are no angels or shepherds or wise men in John's gospel. John, in beginning his gospel, goes further back and in time than to that night in Bethlehem. In fact, John goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Indeed, John borrows the language of the first chapter of Genesis, and he begins his gospel with the words, in the beginning. John is at pains to help us to understand that this Jesus, who is the subject of his and all the other gospel stories, was the very word of God. 
that this Jesus born in a manger, according to the other Gospels, was God himself. And John is at further pains to tell us that what was happening at the birth of Jesus was that God was made flesh. God was made flesh. I don't know if you realize how shocking that statement is. Jews reading John's gospel, remembering their Old Testament, would have been appalled. God made flesh. Apart from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, at every event where God shows up in the Old Testament, there is fire and smoke, earthquakes and lightning. Whenever God showed up, people were terrified. They didn't want to see him for fear of what would happen when unholy people encountered a holy God. Moses was the one person to get close enough to God to see him. And even Moses was privileged to see only, only a glimpse of God's back. No one, not even Moses, could get a good look at God and live in the Old Testament. But here, here at the birth of Jesus, John says, was God made flesh. We beheld his glory, he says. We saw all of him. We saw him for who he truly is. Not just his back. And later the Apostle Paul will say that in Jesus, God was fully present here on earth. God was fully present, all of him. His back, his hands, his face, and his heart as well. Gentile Greeks and Romans reading John's gospel would have been equally shocked as Jewish people. According to their platonic view of things, the gods were sublime essence living in a spiritual realm. They were the height of existence. In the material world where we live and where flesh is was dirty and, and rude. At best... This material world was a prison for souls to escape from. No God in no God in their right mind would be made flesh. But that is exactly what John understood to happen when Jesus was born. God of his own volition was made flesh. I love that Christmas carol by Isaac Watts. Joy to the world, we'll sing it tomorrow. Speaks of the incarnation of this fact of God being made flesh. But I'd like to suggest a change in the wording of that carol. Where it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. It might be better to sing, unveiled, unveiled in flesh. The Godhead see. 
because it was to show himself that God came in Christ. He came to show himself in all his glory, to unveil the depth of his love. He was, unveil- he was veiling nothing. In Jesus, God was hiding nothing. Flesh is a crude word. It's the word sarks in Greek. That just sounds crude, doesn't it? It's translated into the Latin word carne, from which we get chili con carne. It literally means meat. And John uses this word intentionally. He doesn't say Jesus became a man or a body. Those terms, although shocking for Jews and Greeks, would have been more polite. But John says that Jesus was God made flesh. But why? Why does John say God did that? Why did God make himself flesh? John will answer this question for us in that most famous of passages in his gospel in the third chapter where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God was made flesh, according to John, because he loved the world. He loved the world that he had made at the beginning of time. He loves it, but it needs saving. Because according to this most famous of verses, God's world is in danger of perishing. God being made flesh, becoming one with what he created, was, according to John, the way that God had of saving it. You see, the thing is, according to the Bible, our world of which we are a part is dependent on God being present with us. Our passage in John 1 says as much. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John seems to be saying that just as the physical world depends on the sun's light and warmth for life, so too we depend on God's light for spiritual life. We need God in order to live and not perish. It's like plugging a lamp into the electricity. Living without God being separated from God is what we humans have tried to do for far too long. And it's only ended in disaster. The world as it is, is not the way it was created to be. The world as it is, 
as darkness and death instead of light and life. And in order for there to be life, the true light needed to come into the world. Separation is a hard thing. I think most of us have learned that lesson over the pandemic. We've been separated from our loved ones, whether they've been living in care homes just down the street or somewhere overseas. And the saddest times that I've experienced over these last two years have been at funerals. At the time when folks need most to hug and to hold each other, they've had to wear masks and to stay one or two meters apart. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us through our separation that we do need each other. Maybe our experience of separation during this pandemic, this experience of separation from one another, might help us to understand how God feels and how what he felt motivated him to do what he did in Bethlehem 2,000 plus years ago. Here's a world that God has lovingly made. Here's, here's a world that God loves. And he loves us, you and me and in particular. We are made in his image. We're meant to be his children. We're meant to be with him. We're meant to live in intimate relationship with God. But because of our sin and rebellion, our own sin and the sin in the world around us, through what we've done and what has been done to us, we have been separated from God and God from us. God feels that separation keenly. God longs to be with us. To decisively in the separation, God in his greatest act of love comes in the person of Jesus. And he dwells among us. According to John, he sets up his tent in the midst of our encampment. God is made flesh. He lives the perfect son of God, the the child of God. We in our own efforts could never be. And in so doing, John says, God gives us the right to be called the children of God. If we will but trust in him. In Christ, God was made flesh in the manger. He lived the life that he lived, sharing the suffering of our world, healing the wounds of the sick, casting out evil wherever he found it. He died the death that he died on the cross so that the separation between us and God might end. 
And he did all this so that we could have the life with God that we were intended to have from the beginning. Life in all its fullness, Jesus will later call it. It's what he wants us to have. If you haven't done so already, I wonder if tonight you might trust in this love that God holds out to you. A love that chases you down, fights till you're found. A love that leaves the security of heaven to be made flesh for you. That you might be as you were always meant to be. A child of God. To trust in this love doesn't require that you do anything. Except speak to God. Speak to this one who wants to be close to you. Will you say a prayer with me silently in your heart? Father God. Thank you for coming to me in Jesus. Thank you for coming to reveal the love that you have for your world in general and for me in particular. I admit that I am part of a world that has turned its back on you. I, through my own thoughts and actions, have at times turned my back on you and in so doing have unplugged myself from the source of light and life. Thank you, God, that in Jesus, by his dying to pay my debt and rising to give me new life, you've given me the chance to get plugged back in to have a relationship with you. You as my heavenly father and me as your beloved child. Tonight, Lord, I want that. Come to me, God, by your Holy Spirit and give me the new life that you promise. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, I'd love to chat with you and give you some guidance as to how to take this forward in your life. So call me or drop me an email. I'd be be delighted to do that for you. We're going to sing again the carol, O Holy Night. people who walked in darkness have seen a great light for to us a child is born to us a son is given his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace the word became flesh and dwelt among us glory to god in the highest and peace to god's people on earth It is you, loving God, who lights our path with truth. 
Your word, Jesus, is truth. In his light, draw all to the manger to gather in wonder with the shepherds. In his light, draw all to the manger to kneel in reverence with the wise ones. In his light, draw all to the manger to sing for joy with the angels. In the brightness of his life, cast away the darkness of injustice, poverty, violence, and hunger in this world. It is you, loving God, who meets us on our way. In the light of Jesus, show the world the way of life. Amen. Merry Christmas to you all.